I'm excited to have Amy speaking with me this morning. And I will tell you why, because Mother's Day messages, and we, here at Westridge, we try to make a big deal about Mother's Day. A lot of churches uh, just kind of, they'll say something about, they'll show a video and then they'll just do whatever there is next in the series. Okay, open your Bibles, let's talk about hell this morning. Uh, whatever that series is they're working on. Um, but, uh, but we try to do something special, somewhat for the moms, you know, kind of geared towards the moms. But, you know, it's tough for a guy, I mean, this will be my 18th year of doing a Mother's Day message, to, it's, it's tough for me as a guy to, to write Mother's Day messages because I'm, I'm not a mother. So, um, and usually you don't see men speaking at women's conferences, you know, unless you're T.D. Jakes. So it's a little bit uncomfortable so I'm so grateful that uh, Amy uh, will agree to join me on stage from time to time uh, because it just makes it a lot easier for me. But one thing, I do, one thing that I do know just from being married to a mom and having grown up in a house with a mom is that moms are busy, busy, busy people. And moms have this um, tremendous amount of responsibility. And I think that there's, to be honest with you, I think there's a lot that is required of, of a mom today, and especially in today's society. And I'm always amazed at how uh, many plates this woman over here can actually spin at one time while remaining relatively calm. Matter of fact, um, I remember early on when my boys were younger, and my boys, um, it's funny to watch them grow up because they're becoming their own people and uh, very different than when they were little tiny guys, but they were all out. I mean, very spirited all out. And so when she would go to the store and leave me home with them, both of them, I was like, when are you going to be home? Tell me exactly when you're going to be home. And then when she was gone, I'm like, you're, you're, you're not home yet. I mean, I need you to be home. Like I, I was literally scared. Like, I'm serious. It was like, they were like all over the place. And I'm like, I don't know how I do that, how I can do this. And so I was just kind of looking. And as soon as I heard the garage door open, I was like, oh, thank you. She came home. You know, um, but it would just put fear in my <laughs> fear in my heart. But it gave me so much of a greater appreciation for all that she uh, has done over the years. And and I and I also know just from talking with other moms and my wife that it's difficult for be to, to be a mom and to be a woman in general, really to, to 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 even set aside some time to find intimacy with God in the midst of all the busyness of life because you have all these clothes to wash and meals to cook and lunches to pack and car rider lines to sit in and rooms to pick up and dishes to wash and uh, school functions to attend and sporting events to, uh, to go to. And if, you're, and if you're truly the Proverbs 31 woman, have any of you women ever really wanted to just, you don't want to say this out loud, but you want to strangle that woman? Like, I'd like to get a hold of her, Okay. Um, but anyways, I mean, think about it, because, because if you're really the, the Proverbs 31 woman, then along with everything else I, I just mentioned, you're making your own clothes and selling them, you're, you're making bed coverings, you're buying and selling fields, you're planting vineyards, you're sewing clothing for your children in scarlet, you're trading your goods, you're caring for the poor, you're buying food from foreign countries, and you're up in the middle of the night cooking for your family. That's the Proverbs 31 woman. So, I mean, everybody's like, I want to be that woman. <laughs> Probably not. And, and in the midst of all of that, you're supposed to be doing a Beth Moore Bible study and attending every prayer meeting that's available to you, all so that your children can rise up and call you blessed one day. Mm. And it just kind of wears you out, doesn't it? Well, in Luke chapter 10, there, I, there's really a wonderful story that I think takes place between these two sisters. And if you have a Bible, I want, you to, I want to ask you to turn there, and if you don't, we'll have a, the verses on the screen. But there's a story of two sisters, Mary and Martha. 
And one of these women, Mary, is this picture of a woman who is relaxed. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's enjoying being in the presence of, of the Savior. And the other woman, the other sister, Martha, is a picture of a woman that we described a moment ago. She's a woman who is frantically trying to spin plates. And one of these women have, she, one of these women have really learned just how to sit at the, the feet of Jesus and, and to focus on him. And the other really, I think, has kind of lost her focus because of all that she's frantically trying to accomplish. So let's look at verse 38 and read just a, a little bit of a picture of what was going on here. It says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now, what is happening in this story? Well, Jesus has come into this little village called Bethany. And if you know anything more about these two women, you also know they had a brother by the name of Lazarus. And Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus and she's listening to Jesus's teaching. Martha, on the other hand, is in the kitchen and she, and, uh, she uh, has Jesus and his disciples in her home. And so she's busy preparing a meal and she's not now listen she's not in the kitchen just opening up a can of spaghettios for jesus no no she's cooking up a huge jewish feast and the bible tells us that she begins to get irritated now i think most women could probably relate to this story because if your sister's sitting in the you know in the living room on the floor and you're in the kitchen doing all the work you're probably getting a little irritated right well while she's in the kitchen, here's Mary. She's out there relaxing at the feet of Jesus. And she says, Jesus, listen, I'm in here in, in the kitchen. I am busy. I'm busting it while Mary is slacking off. Tell her to get off her rear end, get back in the kitchen and help me with all that I'm doing right now. Now, I know we like to honor Mary because she's the one who sat at the feet of Jesus. She's the one who also, if you remember, who poured perfume on his feet and on his, on, his, you know, on his head, and she wiped it with her hair, and we like to hold her up also you know, as the model of worship in our Bible studies. But these women, I think, were wired very differently. These were sisters, but they had very different personalities. Mary was probably a little bit more mellow and, and uh, you know, a, a bit in nature. Uh, Martha was, was probably the, kind of this quick, take charge, I'm gonna, the get-it-done woman. If Mary was walking through a field picking flowers, Martha was probably on her hands and knees digging the soil, planting the flowers. Um, as Joanne Weaver says in the book, Having a Merry Heart in a Martha World, Mary was more prone, prone to walk in the dew of the morning than to get caught up in the dews of the day. But honestly, I, I think most women can probably identify with Martha. If you were to think of your life and all that you have going on and all the plates that you have spinning, you probably look at Martha and you go, I, I think... I, I relate more to her. If you were Martha and you were frantically working in the kitchen making a, a meal for Jesus and his guests, and again, like you saw Mary in the living room lounging at the feet of Jesus, you might get angry as well. But look at what Jesus tells Martha. He says, listen, Martha, you are, you are so worried and you're so upset about all kinds of things. 
But Martha, honestly, I'm really only concerned about one thing. And Mary has chosen it. She has chosen closeness with me. She has chosen to sit in my presence. She has chosen fellowship with me. Now, you can almost almost hear Martha, what she must have been thinking. But Jesus, wait a minute. There's a meal to cook here. There's Who's going to serve the wine? Who's going to clean up after all of you and your 12 buddies? I mean, what somebody's got to do all of this. And it's interesting how often we want, to, we want to put Martha, or Mary actually, in the good category, and we want to put Martha in the bad category as if Jesus was actually rebuking Martha and praising Mary. But, but Jesus wasn't chastising Martha. He's just simply saying to Martha, listen, Martha, don't lose focus here. In the midst of all the plates that you're spinning, in the midst of all the busyness of the day, don't, don't lose focus on who is actually sitting in your living room. And I think too often in the midst of all of the busyness, it, it really is easy for all of us, and this isn't just for women, it's all, for all of us to actually lose focus. It's easy to forget who's waiting to spend time with us every day, who's calling us into his presence, not just physically but also emotionally, to just rest to rest in his presence. We, we forget who's calling us to rest from the busyness and to relax from the need to constantly be moving and, and even the need to jump off of the treadmill of performance. And that's what's happening here in this story. Jesus wasn't just inviting Martha to come out of the kitchen, but he was inviting her to come out of the stress, to come out of the busyness, to just just relax in his presence, to just get her focus on him for just a moment, to just enjoy a moment of hanging out in his presence. And so many people find themselves, I think, in the same category as Martha. So why is it so easy for us to lose our focus? Well, I think that our society promotes this super mom image of women, you think? And really this, this story is for all of us. It's for, it's for the men as well, but for a few moments, I'll just kind of focus on the women. I think as a result of feeling like we need to be super mom, super woman all the time, so many women feel like they're not godly enough, they're not loving enough, they're not doing enough, and we feel like we're in this race that's just never ending. We have this list of things that we continually have to do. I think one of Satan's greatest lies to us is that when you come to know Jesus, and that's all free because he, he paid for heaven for us on the cross, that then immediately you jump up and like Brian said, you get on that treadmill of performance and you better work, work, work. And so many moms are worn out, not only trying to please everybody, in the family, but really trying to please God. And for us to be able to say, the world applauds our achievement, but what God's looking for is just friendship, a relationship with us. He's looking for companionship, and he wants us to slow down and get off that treadmill. He's saying, no, that's Satan's greatest lie. The verse where he, he says, come to me, and I memorized this in King James when I was little, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And what does the rest of the verse say? And I'm just going to load more stuff on you to do as moms. Um, I'm going to load more stuff on you as students, um, as dads. No, he says, come to me and I will give you rest. He invites us to come to him. This week, we were talking about doing this message together and kind of speaking about moms. And I said, okay, 
you know, what exactly are you going to talk about? And I was trying to decide if I was going to speak with Brian or not. And he said, okay, I'm going to talk about Mary and Martha. And I'm like, dang, I never really liked that story anyway. That's terrible to say about the Bible. But of all the stories, I thought I never understood that because I felt like, like, Martha was the bad one and Mary was the good one. And I've always identified with Martha. But here's the key. I think Martha was using her giftedness and that was a good thing. But at some point she lost her focus and she became frantic and resentful. And and that's when God said, no, no, no. Even though she was doing these awesome things, come over here and be with me. Now we have this crazy story I have to read to you, and I'm going to go really fast for the sake of time. But this is called the next Survivor series. Nod your head if you've seen the show Survivor on TV. All right, this is the next Survivor series. Six men are dropped on an island with three kids, each for six weeks. Each kid will play two sports and either take music or dance classes, and there's no fast food. Each man must take care of his three kids, keep his assigned house clean, correct all homework, complete science projects, cook, do laundry, and pay a list of pretend bills with not enough money. In addition, each man will have to budget in money for groceries each week. Each man must remember the birthdays of all their friends and relatives and send cards out on time. Each man must also take a child to a doctor's appointment, a dentist appointment, and a haircut appointment. He must make one unscheduled and inconvenient visit per child to the urgent care. He must make cookies or cupcakes for a social function. Each man will be responsible for decorating his own assigned house, planting flowers outside, and keeping it presentable at all times. The men will only have access to TV when the kids are asleep and the chores are done. There's one TV between them and a remote with dead batteries. Each father will be required to know all of the words to every song that comes on TV in the name of each character in cartoons. The men must shave their legs and wear makeup daily, which they will apply to themselves either while driving or making three lunches. Each man will have to make, this is my favorite, each man will have to make an Indian hut model with six toothpicks and a tortilla. Have any of you done that? Each man must adorn himself with jewelry. Wear uncomfortable yet stylish shoes. Keep his nails polished and eyebrows groomed. Now, during one of the six weeks, the men will have to endure severe abdominal cramps, backaches, and have extreme unexplained mood swings, but never complain or slow down from their duties. They must attend weekly school meetings, church, and find time at least once to spend an afternoon at the park or a similar setting. Each will need to read a book and pray with the children each night without falling asleep and feed them and dress them and brush their teeth and comb their hair each morning by seven. They must leave the home with no food on their face or clothes. They must clean up after a sick child at 2 a.m. and then spend the remainder of the day tending that that child and waiting on them hand and foot until they are better. They must have a loving age-appropriate reply to you're not the boss of me. A test will be given at the end of the six weeks, and each father will be required to know all of the following information. Each child's birthday, height, weight, shoe size, clothes size, doctor's name, child's weight at birth, length, time of birth, and length of labor, each child's favorite color, middle name, favorite snack, favorite song, favorite drink, favorite toy, biggest fear, and what they want to be when they grow up. Now, the kids vote them off the island based on performance. And the last man wins only if he still has enough energy to be intimate with his spouse at a moment's notice. (laughs) 
Now, if the last man does win, he can play the game over and over and over again for the next 18 to 25 years, eventually earning the right to be called mother. You girls can relate to that. All right, so the second one is women live in a constant... You're just going to jump right into your next point, aren't you? I am. Just say that. I'm looking at the clock, and we're running out of time. All right, go ahead. Women live in a constant tension between the urgent and the important. And I think that poem kind of summarizes that up for us. I just want to encourage you, girls, um, and all of you guys, really, this is for all of us. Do what is important not what is urgent. There will always be urgent things. There will be people who are constantly needing you to do all these things, wanting you to volunteer for everything. Decide what it is that God is calling you to do, the important things. Because if you do everything that's urgent, you won't have time to do what's important. You know, when I'm too busy to spend time with God, and I'm going to tell you, this message is for me, because this is probably what I struggle with the most. I know a lot of people just like love to study and read and alone time with God. And I'm so the Martha person, like this, I speak to myself, but I'm beginning to figure out when I don't spend time with God, I become very unattractive. And so I wrote down some crazy things that I see in myself. I have a low self-esteem. I don't know if any of you can relate to this. I start thinking, I'm so ugly. I'm so fat. Everybody else is better than me. I'm like, what is up with that? Get over that and get in God's word. Whenever I'm not spending time with him, I get frustrated easily. And I get my feelings hurt a lot more quickly than I would if I'm finding my significance in him. And I become a little bit demanding, sometimes just a tiny bit. That's when I just walk up and hand her a Bible. (laughs) When I'm not walking with God. (laughs) Do you realize whatever your bent is, whichever way you are created, when you operate in your own flesh apart from from the Lord, um, our greatest strength can become our weakness. And so here's an example from Mary and Martha. Like Martha's this really go-getter, do it, do it, get it all done person. But whenever she loses her focus, she becomes frantic and resentful. And then there's Mary, whose strength is that she's this contemplative worshiper sitting at the feet of Jesus. But when she's operating in her own strength, apart from Christ, we see later she can become discouraged and depressed and paralyzed with sadness. All right, and number three, women tend to compare themselves with other women. Anybody in here do that? Anyone? Okay, the real you a few weeks ago was awesome. Shout out to all of those speakers and women who worked to put that together. The whole night was talking about who you are in Christ and all of the speakers had on no makeup. So I'm really thankful that I'm speaking this morning and didn't speak at the real you because I I got to wear a little makeup this morning. But they shared with us not to compare yourself to everybody else. There's this great quote from Craig Rochelle, and this is what he says. The quickest way to forget what God says about you is to obsess about what others say about you. We can't compare ourselves to other people. Women look at other women and go, she's doing all of these things. She must be better than me. Man, I really want to be like so-and-so. But God even tells us, don't compare yourself. Be who God made you to be. He made you beautiful and wonderful, and you be you. So I love this verse. This is in the New Living Translation. It's Galatians 6, 4, and it says, Pay careful attention to your own work. 
and then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Do what God has called you to do and don't compare yourself to mm, other women. That's good. And you know what? Listen, this, that goes for men too because men compare themselves to other men all the time. We may not say it as much. We may not you know, show it outwardly like, like maybe women do at times, but, but men do the very same thing. So let's move into number four. The church, I'm going to talk about this. The church promotes an image of Christianity. And this is the church that Amy and I grew up in. Different churches, but same mentality. We promote churches that promote a Christianity that celebrates performance and achievements. We spin our wheels with busyness, trying desperately to please God and to make others think that we have value. And yet what ends up happening when we spend all of our time doing that? Here's here's what happens. We, We end up with distraction. We end up with discouragement. And we end up with doubt. Joanne Weaver again says, Satan's tactics are fairly simple. Get people's eyes off God and on their circumstances. Make them believe that happiness lies in the happenings that surround them or send them good news about somebody else. And then when they're thoroughly discouraged, tell them God doesn't care and then sit back and let doubt do its work. Now, if you were to look at this story from Luke 10 about Martha and Mary and the King James, here's here's a a phrase that I I never understood, but it, it tells us that Martha was, she was in the kitchen and she was cumbered about much serving. Now the word cumbered means she was overwhelmed. She was actually in distress. All of her preparations were like this weight that was around her shoulders and and she was dragging it around like a ball and chain. That's the picture, that's the image that the Bible's trying to portray here. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever felt that way before, but oftentimes, all that we're trying to do, and here's another King James, as unto the Lord, can cause us to feel overwhelmed. It can cause us to, to feel distracted. And then we lose focus on why we're even doing it in the first place. And then our hearts become like Martha's where we get irritated and we get frustrated and even overwhelmed. And here Jesus is sitting in our presence all the time, calling us to rest in him, to just relax in him, to stop trying to so hard to achieve perfection. But we struggle because so many of us are wired, and and I'm this way, we wired to perform to please others and to please God. We, We always feel like we have a job to do. That we have work to accomplish. And no matter how hard we try, it's never good enough. Someone is always out there disappointed with us. Someone's always out there, and we haven't quite lived up to their expectations. And some of you go, I might say, who, who is that person? And you can't even name them. But it's wired inside of you. And what does that lead to? It all eventually leads to discouragement. And, it, and discouragement leads to doubt. Doubt that God loves you. Doubt that Jesus actually cares about you. Doubt that you're good enough. Doubt that you're working hard enough. And all of that just becomes this cycle where we just say, well, maybe if I just did more and if I worked harder, then God would accept me and love me more. And what happens? We lose focus on who Jesus really is. And I love the verse that Amy quoted a moment ago because who is Jesus really? Who is he really? He's the one sitting with the disciples saying, listen, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then he says, take, he says, I'm, here, here's who I really am. He describes himself. He says, I'm humble and gentle at heart. And when you spend time with me, what are you going to find? You're going to find rest. Say it with me. Rest for your soul. 
And he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden that I give to you is light. In other words, take all the stress and the worry and the busyness and the, and the need to perform and all of the perfectionism and all of this stuff that, we, that unfortunately Christianity and modern day Christianity has created and put it on my shoulders and take my yoke, which is easy and, and it's not cumbersome, and put that on your shoulders. So what is the solution to getting ourselves refocused in all of this? Well, when I was growing up, one of my very favorite pastors, we moved several times and went to different churches. One of my favorite pastors was named Ken Beal, and he passed away a few weeks ago. But I will never forget what I remembered him saying when I was in middle school. He would say, just relax and let God live his life through you. And even that time in my life, I was this busy, worried fifth and sixth grader. And I remember that stuck in my mind, God calls us to relax. Just relax and let God live his life through you. You know, I think when Jesus was talking to Martha, I used to think he was saying, Martha, what's wrong with you? Stop what you're doing and get out here. Have a seat. But no, I think he was saying, Martha, you can relax around me. You've done enough. And I think he says that to us today. You can relax around me. You can, you've done enough. I'm happy about you. Not because of what all you've done, but because what Jesus did for you. When God looks at us, he sees what Jesus did for us and we're good. He's happy with us. And so many of us are still trying to almost pay for that daily and earn his acceptance. And he says, come relax around me. You can relax around me. You're probably familiar with John 15 where he talks about the vine and the branches. He says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. Um, We don't have to do, 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 but we have to be. We just hang on the vine. We don't even have to produce the fruit. We just bear the fruit. Everything that we need, all of our nourishment, strength, and life comes from the vine. And so many of us are trying to like squeak out a little piece of fruit. And he says, just hang out with me. Just abide with me. I will produce that fruit in you. Mm. Secondly, we need to rest in who God made us to be. As Amy said a while ago, women often struggle with the comparison game. And as I said, men do the exact same thing. Um, For women, it's I'll never be as pretty as so-and-so. For guys, it might be I'm never going to be as talented or successful as so-and-so. And And I think social media has even added to this problem. And you think about just for a moment, just take Instagram for just a moment, okay? When, 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 how many of us take like four pictures on Instagram and go, let me look at all four of those. Mm -hmm. Put the ugliest one of me on there right now. No, no, no. We look and we go, put that one right there on because I look the best in that. And then what happens? Mm And I've, and I've seen this so often, even especially young girls, they'll roll that picture through, they'll put it through a different setting, and then they'll put it in an app where they can change the way they look, change the way their mouth is, change the way their eyes are, and that's the picture that they put out there. Why? Because they just, they, they can't, it's, they, they've not learned how to rest in who God made them to be. There's a part of me, honestly, that just wants to take social media and go, and blow it up. It's like our dog Gibson, our new little puppy. I put the cutest little pictures of him out there, but you don't see him pooping on my floor and biting us. Dan, <laughs> put those pictures I'm going to put some of those out there this week, <laughs> all right? One of my favorite verses is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and, and, and I want all of you to listen to this for a moment. It just says, for we are God's, say it with me, masterpiece. 
his workmanship. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us a long time ago. The word masterpiece means that you're a work of art. The greatest, listen to this, the greatest artist of all times has created you to be a beautiful work of art. That means you don't have to spend all of your time working yourself up, playing the comparisons in game, comparison game. Instead, learn to rest in who God made you to be, who he created you to be. And number three is focus on Jesus. You know, a few years ago, Brian got me a camera for my birthday, and it has one of these sports lenses. And it was really cool because you can focus the camera, and you can focus in on someone, and it's like everything in the background fades out. Or you can kind of change it up a little bit, and you can actually focus on what's in the background, and the person you're looking at will fade out. Now, I don't know a whole lot about cameras, but I do know that that's how our life is. Sometimes we're focused on Jesus and all the junk of life is still in the background, but it seems dim. It seems faded when we're focused in on Jesus. But when we tend to blur him out and focus on all of our problems or focus on all of our challenges, he seems to be out of focus. And so we need to take that lens of our life and focus, focus in on him. So how do we do that exactly? As we've learned to sit at his feet like he was asking Mary to do, come sit at my feet. Somehow spending time with God, I think, is a catalyst to change us from just our natural self into all that God created us to be. And then lastly, invite him into the chaos of your day. It seems easy to say, oh, just sit at the feet of Jesus. And then we're sitting here going, oh, but I've got dishes and homework and kids and exams and crazy stuff, work. We've got all this stuff to do. All those things in our life we can walk through with our focus on him and saying, God, you can be a part of my day. I want to hook up with you and I want to be available for you to interrupt my day with any kind of a divine appointment that God might have. We can still have all the junk in our day as long as our lens is focused on Jesus. Yeah, let me add one more point. Find your significance and your self-worth in him alone. Colossians 2, 9 and 10, and I've learned to just love the book of Colossians more and more over the last few years. It says in verse 9, it says, For In Christ lives all the fullness of God in the human body. In other words, God poured everything into Jesus. And then it says, so you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. In other words, you're complete. You are complete. In Christ, you have all that you need. We all, all of us have all that we need to feel significant. You don't have to go outside of Christ to find yourself worth, girls. You don't, have to, you don't have to go outside of Jesus to, to find your significance, guys. Because of Jesus, we are worth more than all of the riches in the world in the eyes of God. Nothing more needs to be added. When he says we are complete in Christ, that means we're, that's it. Jesus is enough. And so moms, today on Mother's Day, I just want to say to you, rest in that. On this day, guys, listen, relax in that truth. Don't, 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 this doesn't just apply to, to just, you know, young girls. or late. It applies to all of us. Learn to, his, learn to sit at his feet like Amy said. Why? Because you're loved. You're loved. Bring him into the chaos of, 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 of your everyday. He's, he, he's not too busy. You're important to him. And then find your significance and self-worth in him. Why? Because you're complete. 
And some of you may need to just remind yourself all week long as you find yourself, you know, trying to spin plates and wondering if you're good enough or trying to please God and when he's looking at you, just, just remind yourself throughout the day, listen, I'm loved, God, I, I'm important to God and, and, and I'm complete. Nothing more needs to be added. Let's bow our heads for a moment. On this Mother's Day, moms, I just want to encourage you. I just want to say again, thank you for all that you do. And as Amy said earlier in the service, I know that for a lot of ladies in here, Mother's Day is sometimes a painful day because of maybe you lost a mom um, maybe years ago, maybe it was just recently. I know some of you ladies have just in the last year have lost your mom. Or there's some women in here who, who have not been able to be a mom, and that's very painful or maybe you've lost a child, a child that you, that you never had a chance to lay eyes on, or maybe um, even in this past year we've lost some children in this church in a very tragic way. And I um, just want to take a moment and just pray for all of the moms in here. But I also want to just say to all of you uh, with heads bowed that, you know, when we talk about Scripture, this is for all of us. You're loved, you're valuable, you're complete in Jesus. And so, Father, with our heads bowed, we're just thank, thankful for every mom in this room today. Uh, it's, it's tough being a woman in today's society with everything that's out there in print, in the media, on the screens, on social, social media even. We just, I can't even imagine even the images that have been created. Lord, we, we take pictures and we Photoshop them to try to create the perfect woman, and then every woman in the room feels like they have to live up to that, to try to feel valuable and accepted in the world's eyes. May every woman, every young woman, every teenage girl, every little girl in this room be reminded at this very moment that they are loved, that they're a masterpiece, that they're a work of art, that they're valuable to you, and that because of Jesus, they're complete. Nothing more needs to be added. And we're so grateful for that today. This is for all of us. If you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior, you've never been made truly complete in the eyes of God because Jesus is really maybe not a part of your life. I want to give you an opportunity to make that decision. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, if you've never truly believed on him to be the Son of God, there's an emptiness in your life that you've identified and you're realizing that that void is the emptiness of God missing out of your life. But heads bowed, if you just want to invite the Lord into your life at this moment to, to make him the savior of your life, maybe you just want to say something like this, Lord, at this very moment, on Mother's Day, I put my faith and trust in you alone. What Jesus did for me on the cross was enough. I believe with my heart that you are the son of God. And Lord, I changed my mind about my sin in such a powerful way that, Lord, I'm asking you to change the direction of my life. What you did for me on the cross was enough, and I say yes to your offer of forgiveness and salvation, which is a free gift given to me by grace. You just prayed that prayer with me. Take out your Get Connected card, your guest, whatever the thing's called today, <laughs> Get Connected card. Take it to the Help Center at the back. We want to be able to help you to take your next step with the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for a wonderful day. Thank you for every mom in this room and what they mean to us. Thank you for the moms that have gone on before us, the moms, the grandmoms, the great-grandmoms who have shaped our lives. We're so grateful for all of them. 
I thank you for the amazing women of the Bible, the Marys and Martha, that we can look at today and learn so much from. And we love you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.